it was June of 1987, uh, a guy named Henry Demp- uh, Dempsey was piloting a, a small jet. Uh, they had just taken off, and uh, and his co-pilot were, were just getting up to altitude when they heard a, a weird noise towards the back of the plane. There were no warning lights that went off, so so he got up from his pilot seat and turned the controls over to the, the co-pilot and went back to investigate. And when when he got to the back of the, pr- uh, of the plane, the, the plane hit an air pocket and kind of bounced a little bit. He lost his balance, and it threw him into the door, which the, the rear door of the plane, which in reality, that's where the noise was coming from because it hadn't been pro- properly latched. Uh, so when he hit the door, uh, his weight caused the door to pop open, and, and out he went. Uh, the co-pilot then saw the light that came on, indicating there was a problem with the door, uh, he, he called in and said he needed to make an emergency land, landing, and, and he just assumed what had happened and said, you also might want to send a helicopter uh, copter to, to search for the pilot who's fallen out of the plane. Well, in, in reality, as the, the pilot started out the plane, he was able to grab hold of a step that unfolded as the door opened and, and held on for dear life. So even though the plane was at 4,000 feet going 200 miles an hour, he was able to hold on. Uh, reports say that when they landed, he was somehow able to keep himself from dragging on the, the tarmac. When, when the plane landed and crews arrived at the plane, they saw him clutching the, the, the step of that plane. Uh, news reports said it took several minutes for them, for them to pry his fingers off of that, uh, of that step, as you might imagine. Sometimes, sometimes we're a little bit like that, aren't we? Uh, we, we, we hold on tight uh, to the things of the world and we hold on tight to our possessions and we hold on tight to our money. And, and sometimes it seems like we have to have our fingers pried off of those things. Last week we, 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 we talked uh, the first of two sermons in a series about our giving. And, and it was titled simply, Giving That Feels Good. And, and we talked really as the main thought that God wants us to be a cheerful giver. We talked about motives. Sometimes we give out of guilt or a sense of responsibility or we respond to a need or maybe it's out of thanksgiving, but that God really wants us to give. And this is what helps us be a cheerful giver is God wants us to give as an act of worship. When we realize that our giving to him really is a way that we lift him up and that we worship him, it gives us the ability to be cheerful givers. And then we talked about the mystery that helps us understand how giving can be an act of worship. When we realize that God provides, He owns everything. As Psalms tells us, the, the cattle on a thousand hills belong to Him. God provides. He's the one that's going to help us to be able to trust Him to give, and He protects. The reality is that everything we give goes ahead of us on uh, to, to heaven as a reward for us there. So today we're going to look at the second one. That is that giving that does good. Not giving that feels good, but giving that does good. If you have your Bibles, Turn with me to the, the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 6. We'll look at a couple verses there. We're also going to be looking at a couple other places. So, so I'd encourage you to keep your Bibles handy so you can follow along in Scripture. 1 Timothy, chapter 6. We're going to start with verse 17. This is what Paul says to Timothy. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to be good, to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves 
as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Giving that does good. When we give the way that God has called us to give, it does good, it does good work, and it accomplishes good things. Let's look at three simple thoughts uh, as we look at this text this morning. First of all, giving that does good grows us. It grows us. And the first thing it grows us in is it grows us in our faith. Uh, The first thing we have to understand is that God wants us to give and He wants our giving to come from faith. Uh, Malachi chapter 3, uh, 10. We, we looked at it last week. We'll look at it again this morning. Malachi 3, 10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be good, that there may be food in my, uh, in, in my house. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 8 and 9 says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. He, he brings out two thoughts there in those Old Testament scriptures. Number one, we are to, to, to give a tithe, to bring our tithe in the storehouse. And when we do, we have a promise that we'll be blessed. And then in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 8, it gives us the, the Old Testament principle, which then applies also to the New Testament. And that is that we're to bring our first fruits. Literally, what they were instructed to do when they, when they harvested a crop was to give the very first fruit as an offering to the Lord. The very first of what they were, to, what they were received was to go to the Lord. We remember last week that God, uh, we talked that God doesn't need our money. Instead, He wants our hearts. So, so we talk about giving this morning. It, it's the reality is that God wants to have our heart in there. God wants us to be cheerful givers. God wants us to understand that. Uh, before I move any further, before I uh, talk a little bit this I- idea of faith, I think I need to just clear up and make sure we understand a couple, couple things and understand what God actually is asking of us. Now, now, as I point this out, this is not me talking, this is Scripture talking, so I want you to understand that. What God calls us to give in His wisdom, I, I don't know why God chose this number, I don't know why God chose this as a, a staple, but, but in His wisdom, God's, God wants from us a tithe, and a tithe is 10%. Now, God could have made that 5%, God could have made that 20%, God could have made that 50%. So when you hear in the church setting, when you hear us talk about a tithe, that's what we're talking about, that God expects us to give 10% of our income to His work and to His ministry and, and, and to things that, that He's concerned with. A couple questions that come up. Let me just a- answer those because maybe there, there, there are questions that are on, on your mind. If I give less than 10%, is it a tithe? Um, I'm going to be blunt on a couple things. No. It's a gift. And God will honor and bless that. And God is happy with that. But but a tithe, a true tithe, is 10%. And God wants you to grow in your faith. Now, now catch this. I want you to understand this. Your salvation is not tied to your giving. In, in other words, you, you don't, if you're not giving 10% this morning, I am in no way, nor does scripture in any place, uh, suggest that you're not saved. Uh, that's what I was talking about. Giving is tied to faith, not to salvation. But our salvation is tied, once we're saved, it ties then to what we give. Do, do I give on net or gross? Uh, I had someone describe it this way, a simple way. They said, well, do you want to be blessed on net or do you want to be blessed on gross? I, I'll let you guys decide. 
what you think you should, should do. Do I stop at 10%? Is that all we're called to do? Are we called to give, man, I give right up to 10% and I, I don't have to give anything else. Actually, we're, we're called to give tithes and offerings. A tithe is 10%. Anything above that is an offering. I, I think our goal should be to always get to a place where we can give more and more and more. If you're giving 6% now, man, I'm going to work to 8% and then maybe to 10% and then at 10, maybe to 12. Just to trust God with, with that. Can, can I tithe my time or gifts? Is, is it okay if I, I don't give money, but I'm tithing my, you know, I, I, I give a lot of hours to the church. Well, let me be blunt again. That's not the same thing. Now, now God has called us, God has called us to serve. Now, catch that. Your, your giving of your times and, and talent are things that God wants from you. But that's not tithing. Tithing deals with our finances. Now, catch this as well. Uh, the, the opposite of that is true. God doesn't just want your money. If all you do is give your money, all you do is give 10% or whatever it might be, God is not happy with only that. God also wants your time and your talents. In Mark chapter 1045, it says that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. In Philippians chapter 2, Verse 5, it says we're to have the mind of Christ. And then it goes on to describe exactly what that mind was. And it describes it because him as a servant who emptied himself and served. So if Jesus, if Jesus was a servant and we're called to be like Jesus and have his mind, then we are called to serve. We, we miss the mark if all we do is give our time. We miss the mark if all we do is give our money. We're called to do both of those. That is why giving and our faith are tied together. Everything that we have is God's and comes from Him. And, and it simply is God asking us to trust Him. Giving that does good, the first thing it does is it grows our faith. Don't we all want to grow in our faith? Then that God would simply say, trust me with your giving. My, my grandpa had a... Uh, an Alice Chalmers E17. He had had it for a number of years. In fact, when my uh, when my grandpa passed away, he we, he still had that D17 tractor. I, I don't know how long he had it. Maybe five, six, seven years, and the gas gauge stopped working on it. Uh, and who's going to spend money to to fix a gas gauge? All you have to do is look in to see see how much gas. But so that's what we do. If you got on the tractor, particularly if you're going to take it out and and spend any time in the field, you would take the cap off and look in. But but because the tank was so big, it was really kind of hard to tell how much gas was in it. So this is what my grandpa would do. Now, today I would take my cell phone out and shine the light, but we didn't have those back then, obviously. So my grandpa kept a stick on his tractor. And when he wanted to check the gas, he would unscrew the cap, and he'd take, the, any of you farmers do that? He'd take the stick and stick it down into the gas tank, pull it up. Yeah. And pull it up, okay. And he knew how far on that stick. Well, you know, if it was about two-thirds or a third of the way up, you know, he knew he could go about four or five hours. If it was halfway up, he could go most of the day. He knew where on that stick, where it, that was his gas gauge. He was able to, to test his faith or test his gas by checking that. The, the, the reality is our giving is tied to our faith. And our giving can be tested by how much, or our faith can be tested by how much we give. Giving that does good grows us. Giving that does good also uh, it grows our faith. It grows our generosity. The, the passage here in First Timothy 
commands us to be generous and to share. When God grows our faith in the area of giving, then it grows uh, grows us in the area of gener- generosity. We begin to see opportunities to be generous. Uh, Randy Alcorn, I, I have this quote further down the note, so you might note that I have it in the wrong spot. Randy Alcorn says this, God prospers me not to raise my standard of living, but to raise my standard of giving. T. Harv Elker says this, the mark of true wealth is determined by how much one can give away. Verse 18 there in 1 Timothy, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds. When we get excited, when we get excited about worshiping God through our giving, when we get excited about what can happen with that, it changes our mindset. It changes who we are and we begin to grow in generosity. I have a friend who began to trust God with his giving. It wasn't an easy process. It wasn't an immediate process, but began to he began to trust God and, and realized that, that that was the target that God had placed for him and, and began to get closer and closer to that 10%. And, and, and as he got closer to giving and eventually got to that, that 10%, he began to notice that God gave him a, a sense of generosity and a sense of compassion. The, the, what happened was he began to notice other opportunities for him to be generous, not just in a gift to a church, but but in a gift to people. Uh, he began to notice when someone was struggling, a, a, a time happened when there was someone in front of him in a, in a line at a grocery store that didn't have enough money to pay for the groceries and he was able to reach up and swipe his card and, and pay the rest of the bill. He began to notice when someone looked like they were down and out and stopped by and offered, can I get you something to eat? Can I, can I buy you a drink? Can I help you in some way? And, and, and his life began to change as he saw opportunities to be generous. When he began to give, he also began to have a heart of generosity. And not only that, but, but it passed on not just to him, but also to his wife and to others around him as they saw and grew in generosity. Giving that does good grows us in faith, and it grows us in generosity. Giving that does good also guides us. See, when we, when we give through faith, when we trust, it guides us to God. West Stafford, as the president of Compassion International, uh, some of you probably have come across Compassion. They, if you've gone to any Christian concert, just about, you probably have had someone hand out a, a brochure where you could adopt a child and pay $39 or $40 a month and help some child in, in some other country. And, uh, and, and that's Compassion International. But West Stafford is the president of Compassion International. And this is what he says. Compassion's work, which is releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name, is really releasing me from wealth in Jesus' name. Margot Starbucks says this, if your life is anything like mine, God longs to set you free from addictions. Addictions to pleasure, appearances, busyness, consumption, envy, greed, and self-absorption. Giving that does good guides us away from the world and guides us to God. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to... uh, to Matthew chapter 6. In fact, I'm going to hesitate. Usually I read pretty quickly. I'm going to wait and let you, uh, let you find that passage because I, I think this is an important passage. And I want you to follow along. Uh, Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start in verse, uh, verse 19. If you have your Bibles, you're not sure where Matthew is. About two thirds of the way through, pop it open. You're going to find Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. If you're find Acts, then go back to your left a little bit. If you find Old Testament, go back to your right. Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 19. And, and I'm going to look at three things. This, this text has three phases to it, three 
distinct situations, and, and I want to just touch base on all three of those as, uh, as, as, as we look at this idea. Matthew chapter 6. First of all, verses 19 to 21. He says there, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Giving that does good guides us to God. Our, our goal, our goal is described in those verses. It should be that we step away from treasuring the world and instead treasure God. We, we should have an attitude that what we do uh, always is putting treasures ahead. The, the second section is verses 22 to 24. And, and this is kind of our ground zero. This explains the, the first and, and second part of this text. Verses 22 to 24. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That's our grand zero. That is our ground zero. That's where we, we start. I, I've read this text I don't know how many times, and I almost always skipped over those verses. I, I, I read those, those the first couple verses, and, and, and I've always read the second half of that, the last part of that chapter, but, but I've skipped over those. But that is the, the reality. If you want to see clearly, then you realize that what we have, our treasure shouldn't be this earth and the things we have, but our treasures are somewhere else. And and, and notice our reality. This this is where it comes down to, to brass tacks for us, the, the last part of the chapter. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. It is not life more important than food and your body more important than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. Do not, they do not sow or reap or store in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not, are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And, and why do you worry about clothes? See the lilies of the field, uh, how they grow. They do not labor or spend. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon, all of his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That is our reality. Barry Cameron says, too many of us spend money we don't have trying to keep up with people we don't even know or like, mortgaging a future we won't be able to enjoy because of a past we'd like to forget, and that's why our present stinks. Zig Ziglar says, money won't make you happy, but everyone wants to find out for themselves. We live, we live in the most affluent country in the history of the world. Do you realize just, just how, how easy we have? We have so many gadgets. We can, uh, and I meant to leave my phone in my pocket, so I, I don't have the, 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 the ability to do it right now, but we can pull out a phone. And, and if we want to know what the temperature is in Beijing, China, we can pull out our phone in a couple of clicks and we can know what the temperature is. 
If you want to know the population of Beijing, China, with just a couple clicks, you, you can find, if you want to know who the mayor, I don't even know if they have mayors in Be- Beijing, China, but you can, you'll, you can find that out. In fact, if you're too lazy to punch a couple buttons, you don't even have to do that. You can just say, Siri, what's the temperature in Beijing, China right now? You don't even have to do anything and, and you can do, we, we can, we can just with a couple clicks have so much at our, uh, at our disposal. I, I can walk to my refrigerator, I've done it many times, and I can drink, uh, I can pull out a, uh, a bottle of spring water. It says it is. It's probably just come out of a tap somewhere. But, but it's sealed and it makes me think it is. And, and in fact, I've got one right here. Pure. It's pure life. Yeah. <laughs> I can, I can take that out and I can, or, or I can, I can drink some filtered water or I don't do this, but I can, uh, I, I could drink some tea or, or what I do do is put, dude, <laughs> what I normally do. Pardon me. Is pull out a diet Pepsi, and I can have that. My wife the other day pulled out a Starbucks cold mocha something something. What was that? Flappuccino or Crappuccino? As far as I'm concerned, I don't like that stuff. So, and 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 it's ice cold. But if for some reason it's not cold enough, you know what? I can pull out the bottom. Where I've got ice, and I can put ice in a cup, and I can I can make that as cold as as I I want. I, I know oftentimes I walk into my kitchen, and I'm like, man, we don't have anything to eat, and and yet I can open up a cupboard, and there are canned goods uh, several deep, and and I can go to my refrigerator or the freezer and out in the garage, and I can open up, and I can choose from you know from beef, uh, you know I, I've got a quarter of a or half of a hog, and well, not not all there now, but you know I've got beef, pork, and all kinds of meat there. Uh, frozen pizzas from from Walmart. You know, I, it's 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 all. I can go in and I can open up the fridge, and we don't have as much as we used to. But usually, there's some type of leftover. You just have to make sure there's nothing growing on top of it. And and there's and and if if none of that hits me where I want, you know, I can I can dial nine one three three six seven three three four three. Anyone know what that is? That number is two. Pizza Hut in Atchison, Kansas. And I can call Pizza Hut, and, and before, I mean, I can just go right to my car, and I can't get over there before they have it already out sitting in the, the warmer. And I can have a pizza for seven ninety nine. by the way. Um, large two topping. <laughs> Not that we do that, but... I can turn on my TV and choose between hundreds of channels. Now, you know, 85% of those are garbage, but... But, but that they're all there. I can scroll through them all and, and, and watch 27 shopping channels and, and fix it up shows and, and old re, I, you know, I can do that. And, and if you've got Netflix, we don't because we don't have good internet where we live. But, but if you've got Netflix, you, you can go to your TV and have the choice of thousands of movies titles to, to watch. Or you can hook up your gaming system and keep yourself entertained for hours as you shoot the bad guys or, Jump over stuff or whatever you might do, chase Mario around on his cart or whatever you do. And yet, and yet, we, we live in a country that is unhappy. And as a country, we struggle with depression. Uh, as a country, so many people are, are numbing the pain in their, their life. To, to to deal with their worry and their addictions, 
they're, they're turning to prescription drugs and alcohol and illegal drugs and pornography and pleasure and many and many and many more things. We have all of this, and yet we still struggle. We still worry. God calls us to trust Him. And when we learn to, to trust Him and it grows our faith, and we give, it guides us to God. See, giving that does good guides us to Him. It also guides us to others. We kind of talked about that, but verse 33 there says, seek uh, first His kingdom uh, uh, and His righteousness and everything else. Everything we talked about there, the clothes and food and housing and all that, that's all going to be taken care of. You're going to be taken care of. God's not going to leave you without if you seek Him first. See, it, it leads us then to other. And, and finally, as we close here, giving that does good gives us. It gives us a blessing. Uh, we mentioned this last week. Let me finish that uh, verse 10 in Malachi chapter 3. Uh, after he calls us to bring in the whole tithe, he says, test me in this. The only time God called us to test him. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not even have room enough for it. If you have your Bibles, flick, uh, uh, turn quickly over to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. Let me, let me read this story. It's kind of an odd story. In, in fact, when you get to 2 Kings chapter 4, there's three or four stories in a row of, uh, from, uh, from prophet Elijah. They're, they're just kind of there. Uh, and, and so, so we don't know what happens after this. There's no there's no end of the story, but it's thrown there in Scripture for us to know. And I think part of it is for us to, to understand that, that we have a, a blessing that comes from us. God gives us a blessing. Second uh, uh, Kings chapter 4, starting verse 1. A, a wife of the man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elijah. So it was the widow of a prophet. Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. In that culture, if you owe debt and couldn't pay it back, one of the ways you could satisfy that debt is, is put yourself or your children into slavery and, and work the debt off. Elijah replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And the servant, your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil. Probably olive oil that was used for cooking that was used to light lamps, that was also used for heating. It was very valuable to them, all those different uses. Elisha said, go around and ask your neighbors for empty jars. That's kind of a weird story. Go around and ask your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. That's what he said. Don't, don't say, hey, can I have one jar? Don't ask for just a few. In other words, ask for, uh, ask for several jars. Then go inside and shut the door and behind you and your sons. Pour oil into the jars as each one is filled, put it to one side. She left him and afterwards shut the door behind her and her son. She had gone to all of her friends and neighbors, got all the jars that she could amass. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. Elijah said, and we don't know how many she got. Did she, five, did she get 15, did she get 25? Elijah said, go get, don't get a few, get as many jars as you can get, and then and then just trust me. You, you know she had to think, well, that's weird. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pour my oil into a, an empty jar. Why would I do that? But as she did, the jar filled. And, and then the next one, and the next one, and the next one. And when she stopped, or when she got to the last jar, the flowing stopped. She went and told the man of God and said, go, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons live on what is left. God blessed her. God blessed her in her faith. She was blessed by what she gave. As long as she trusted him with the jars, she was blessed. We have a friend that, uh, husband of, of a lady my wife works with. This has been years ago, back when uh, I think it's a mosaic, uh, life care office building now, but there across from high V's, that building used to be Venture. Am, am I right? Is that what it's called? The Venture Department Store. We used to, to shop there quite a bit. W- one year at Christ- Christmas, my, my, my wife, well, he's my friend, Gene, um, as well, went into Venture and, and was buying, and, and as I recall, I think he was actually buying some gifts from his work for some needy families. And, and, and he had a little bit of a cart full, and as he got up to the line, uh, I don't know if bells and whistles went off, or, but, but some people came running, and they were all excited. And I, I don't remember what it was. If he was, if it was the, th- the thousandth shopper or the millionth one they had, I don't know what it was, but, but he was chosen, and everything in his cart was free. Now, now, if he had had just in his hand a bag of M&Ms, he wouldn't have paid for them. Like, man, I got a bag. He had a cart that actually was cool because it was going to be given away, and, and that was cool. But, but you know, the, the one thought he had, man, I wish I'd had more. Now, and he was buying this for other people. Man, I wish I'd had four carts. I mean, I wish I'd had all this stuff. If I'd only known that it was going to be free, that that, that was going to be given to me, I would have given more. God... God tells us that He will bless us. He will bless us if we trust Him in our faith in giving. And it brings us to a purpose. And that purpose is simply to bless others. Barry Cameron says, one of the best discoveries you will ever make is to learn that God wants you to use His wealth to finance His kingdom. It's not our wealth and it's not for us. It's God's wealth. And we are to be good stewards using it to help build his kingdom. John Wesley, years and years ago, put it this way, make all you can, save all you can, so that you can give all that you can. Giving that does good grows us. It grows us in our faith, in our sense of generosity. It guides us to God, guides us to others. It gives us, it gives us blessing and it gives us a purpose. Dave, Dave Stone tell, told this story. He, he was uh, at an auction uh, that his grandfather was holding. His grandmother had passed away, and and after her passing, uh, his grandfather kind of lost it for a while. Said just kind of lost touch with the reality, and 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 decided to just have a sale and sell everything. He said his uncle uh, wanted a certain wagon that that was uh, that belonged to the family, but his dad said to him, "No, you have to bid on it just like everyone else." And so as the, the day of the, the sale came and they were selling items and his mom was in a room as they sold some of the, the items in the room and they were selling a, a quilt that his, that her mother had made, Dave Stone's grandmother had made and, and his mom really wanted that quilt. So as the, the bidding began to start, she began to bid on that and she, she had an idea of how much it was worth and how much 
she could spin, and, and pretty quickly it came down to just her and one other guy that were bidding. But the other guy was a dealer, and he knew exactly what he could get for that and how much he could make on it. And, and the bidding kept going up, and it eventually got to a point that uh, his mom couldn't afford it anymore. He, Dave Stone says she burst into tears and stormed out of the room. Dave saw her go, and so he followed her out. Uh, unbeknownst to him, his brother stayed in the room and began to pick up the bid. About five minutes later, his brother come walking out to Dave and his mother with the quilt in his arms, and he handed the quilt to his mom. Dave said he paid way more than he should have, and he paid way more than he could afford. Stone says it was years later they were talking about that, and he, he simply made this comment to his brother. He said, even when you bought that quilt and you paid so much for it, do you ever regret doing that? He said his brother made this comment, said you never regret being generous. You never regret being generous. God has called us to trust him. I, I know it's uncomfortable to hear sermons on giving, but God has called us to trust him uh, with our faith and to trust him with our giving. Whether you give it to the church or you give it to a missionary or you give it here or give it there, God simply says, trust me. Trust me and see if I won't bless you. Be generous and see if I won't bless others. Bow with me. Father, we thank you this morning that we live in such a blessed world. Father, I thank you for the blessing that you've given my life, the way you've touched me and, and, and my family. And Father, I give you praise for that. Lord, I, I pray this morning that we can all seek your heart and seek your face. Lord, Lord, your, your instruction to us to give really is a simple thing. It, it, it's based on you wanting us to trust you, based on you wanting our hearts. And Father, you wanting our faith to grow. Lord, I pray this morning that we can grow. No matter where we are in our giving of our, our finances, giving of our time, giving of our talent, giving of our passion, Father, I would ask that you would help each of us step out on faith and give you more. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here this morning, God always calls us. It's really the, the plea of any time we come together. God is calling us to trust him. God is calling us to grow in our faith. God is calling us to walk in trueness to God. Seek to be like him. You have a decision.